Scripture reading today is going to be found in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 5, at the beginning of the chapter, we'll be reading verses 1 through 12. Um, If you're using one of the Bibles underneath the chair near you, it should be found on page 809. Uh, Turn there with me, if you would, and we'll um, read through and follow along with me as I read. Again, that's the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you, Cody. I'm wondering if there's anyone here this morning that loves to experience intense, gut-wrenching sorrow. I don't see any show of hands. I didn't think there would be. I certainly don't look forward to experiencing intense, gut-wrenching sorrow. Uh, My dad buried two wives. Uh, He walked through the sorrow of a granddaughter that took her own life. And when my dad knew that his days were drawing to a close here on this earth, he longed for glory. But he, he was also sometimes a bit anxious about what he would experience in this whole process of dying. We we have this natural aversion to grieving and mourning. And so it seems quite strange to hear Jesus say, blessed, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now remember, if you are a blessed one, you have received God's favor as an undeserved gift making God your source of joy and contentment in life. If if you are blessed, you are happy about what God has given you because God is the one who has given it to you. And here Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Said in another way, happy are you when God gives you an opportunity to mourn. Maybe you notice the paradox most Clearly, when you say happy are the unhappy, (laughs) how can this really be? Well, 
Part, part of the message today really is quite hard. I, I say that as I prepare for my dad's memorial service right here this next Saturday, May the 7th. I, I personally understand the natural aversion to mourning. But I want to just beg you this morning to keep listening. Don't tune me out. More importantly, don't tune God out. He has a message for those who mourn. He understands when you experience sadness. He cares for you when your heart is broken. And best yet, He comforts you when you weep and mourn. And that's what we want to talk about today. And as we begin, I think it's helpful to realize that mourning comes for different reasons. Well, one, you may experience sorrow from disappointments. What we experience in life is often different from what we dreamed it would be. Uh, childhood dreams are often fueled by this unrealistic view of the world. E even as adults, we can set our expectations on something that is ideal, but unrealistic. I would argue that a biblical worldview, it's only a biblical worldview that really prepares us for a life that includes suffering. The gospel is good news, but it can't be understood properly without understanding the suffering of Jesus. But disappointment comes in various forms. Sometimes there are prolonged illnesses. Sometimes persistent problems just don't go away. Sometimes loved ones walk away from the Lord. Families don't always act like family. Our, our parents can disappoint. And we're tempted to think everyone else's parents are perfect. Children can break your own heart. Maybe nothing is more painful than when a child, your child, grows up in the training and instruction of the Lord and then chooses to want nothing of Jesus. A spouse can end up being very different than what you dreamed he or she would be. Sometimes our dreams don't materialize. Lots of experiences here on earth can disappoint and can be the source of sorrow. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but for now, think about this. Could, could it be that disappointments are really an opportunity to be comforted by the only one who can't disappoint. The, the invitation of Jesus becomes very appealing to someone loaded down with sorrow. Matthew 11, Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What, what a great gift from God. So, secondly, you may experience sorrow because of the devastating effects of sin and evil in the world. 
Simply put, sin destroys people. The, the devil has come into the world on a mission to steal from you and to kill you and to destroy you. Are you ever sad when you see the effects of sin and evil in the world? Certainly sin always makes great promises, but it will always eventually destroy you. The evil one makes drunkenness, sexual sin, same-sex marriage, materialism, the love of things, revenge, pride, self-sufficiency, pride. We could go on and on and on. All of those things, it's the, the evil one makes those things seem like um, they are so freeing and satisfying, but in fact, it makes you a slave to those desires that will, in fact, destroy you. So when you see the spread of evil in the world and the, the destruction it leaves in its path, do, do you ever weep? Do you mourn? But, but we must also remember it's not just any sin or any expression of unbelief that affects us. It offends God. The, the problem with sin is not just that you and I are destroyed. It's something that, that does not honor God. It doesn't, when we sin, we don't honor God as He deserves. And too often... Earthly fun is all that matters. Uh, happiness in this world is all that matters. Or pleasure here on this earth is all that we seek. And so for the Christian, not only do we experience joy and happiness, um, we should also experience tears. Uh, too, too often we experience uh, or we emphasize God's love and forgiveness so much that we forget about sin being an offense against the holy and almighty God of heaven and earth. Uh, the psalmist in 139-136 says, streams of tears, or 119 verse 136, streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. I've, I have been told by, by some that we need angry leaders today um, or I've been told that this is the time uh, the, the time has come to practice a, a militant Christianity <laughs> well one word of caution about a an angry militant Christianity it's this James 1 20 the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God requires and I would argue that what we need today is not anger, but anguish. The kind of anguish that Jesus had when he wept at the death of Lazarus. Partly because of the sorrow of Mary and Martha, but more so because of the unbelief of the Jews. What we need today is the kind of anguish and sorrow that Jesus experienced when he looked over Jerusalem and wept because of their sin and hardness of heart there in that city. He told us that he longed to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks, but they were unwilling. So the difference between your anger and your anguish is really a broken heart. It's, it's easy to get angry, especially at someone else's sin, but it's not 
as easy to look at sin, our own sin included, and to weep over it. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be or they will be comforted. So this morning, if you are poor in spirit and if you are mourning over your sinfulness and the sin of the world, I want you to know that you are in the right position to experience God's tender mercies, His abundant grace, His tender compassions. So maybe you will mourn because of disappointment or the destruction in the world that comes from sin and evil. That may happen, but if you're a believer this morning, I know that you will most certainly experience intense sorrow over your own sin. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah experienced that when he was given a vision of, of God and he, he cried out, Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people with unclean lips. When Peter preached that sermon in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and he revealed who Jesus was, uh, the Jews, many Jews there in Jerusalem experienced this, this great intense sorrow in their heart. They were broken in their hearts because they realized that the one that they just crucified is in fact the promised Messiah. You, you and I experience sorrow in our heart when the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God uh, to bring conviction on our heart. Conviction because of unbelief and sin. And there's great sorrow in our heart. But finally, maybe the area that we most think of when it comes to mourning is this, that you may experience mourning over death. Death, is, death has not always been part of the human experience. There was a time that Adam and Eve didn't face the consequence of death, but then they sinned and death became a reality for all human beings due to sin. Um, death entered into the world in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 4, we learn about how Cain killed, murdered Abel. And then in chapter 5, uh, we have a list of descendants from Adam to Noah and Here's a sobering sample of what we read in chapter 5. Adam lived 930 years and he died. Uh, Seth's days were 912 years and he died. Enosh had 905 years and he died. Kenan had 910 years and he died. Methuselah had 969 years and he died, and he died, and he died. Death, death is a horrible, ugly consequence that came into the world because of sin. And death just pounds away at the human race. And it has ever since, Genesis chapter 3. Not one of us will escape the reality of death. Um, not just our own death, but the death of our loved ones. Again, I, I understand that 
This is something very difficult to talk about, but I urge you to stay with me. Um, the, the Lord promises help and comfort. Help and comfort are on the way. So remember Psalm 23, 4, which says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember, too, that Jesus experienced death. Even God the Father experienced the untimely death of His Son. I say untimely from a human perspective. The, the one who lives eternally understands your pain that comes with death. He understands. M mourning... Mourning is something that is experienced differently across the globe. Um, in Romania, it's their custom uh, in the church there to wear all black for one entire year after a loved one dies. Uh, they also tie a big black ribbon above the, the door frame of their house, and it's there for one full year. Uh, Dave Dernlin, um when we're over there, we'll often have opportunities to preach in a, in a funeral. One in particular stands out in my mind. He and Sue had just arrived in Because, and they went up into Benny and Ioana's home. And as they walked into the house, Benny received a phone call that Virgil had just died. Virgil was a student in our class. He was 60 years old. He had grown up in an Orthodox home. God saved him. He was a young believer. He was eager to learn, and um, we loved having him in, in our class. But Dave and Sue, along with Benny and Joanna, immediately went to the home and were with his wife um, there after Virgil had apparently a, a heart attack and, and died at the age of 60. When Dave preached that funeral, Virgil had many... Orthodox friends who, who were there. Um, he had a lot of unsaved family, a lot of people who are still in the Orthodox Church that were there in attendance. And one of Virgil's old Orthodox friends came up to the casket uh, where body, Virgil's body lay, and he actually physically grabbed the hold of his head and just shook him and screamed at him for dying. And it was a it was just this raw expression of sorrow and anguish that was associated with this untimely death of Virgil. Um, death is painful. Um, in some cultures, um, professional mourners are, are hired to publicly display how much they love the one that has deceased. Deceased. In, in our country, it seems like there is a growing trend for there to not even be a funeral or a memorial service. Uh, we, we understand death is painful. We, we try to dress it up and to make it the very best that we can, but it's ugly. It's painful. We want to avoid death. Often parents don't take children to funerals which I think misses an important and an invaluable time to teach children. But death is experienced by all people everywhere. Mourning the death of a loved one, though, takes on many different forms 
um, but all people mourn. The, the question, I, I want us to be honest about the pain of death, and it's uncomfortable even to talk about it, but I want us to understand the, the, the reality and the pain of death but the question I really want us to talk about today is this. What is it or who is it that brings comfort to the one who mourns? Um, it, it's true, not all people are comforted when they mourn. Even Jacob in Genesis 37 refused to be comforted when he was told that his son Joseph had died. So, not everybody will, be, will experience comfort when they mourn. Um, but listen, listen carefully to what Jesus again says in Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So those who are in the kingdom can expect the Spirit of God to produce this kind of response. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, happy are the unhappy. <laughs> this is what Jesus wants you to know. The, the way often to a jubilant heart is often through tears. Happiness comes through sorrow. But how? Well, I want you to know this. Jesus promises that when you mourn, he will comfort you. Again, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In Matthew chapter 11, 28, Jesus, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, as we walk through this, notice that every answer for our sorrow will come from Scripture. Scripture is God's Word. God speaks into our suffering to give us comfort. Um, last week, I defined blessed like this. If you are a blessed one, you have received God's favor as an undeserved gift, making God your source of joy and contentment in life. So when we say blessed are those who mourn, we are saying that mourning is God's favor on you. It's God's gift to you. Let me try to explain that uh, by asking a couple of questions. One, how does Jesus comfort you when you mourn over disappointment or broken dreams or sufferings of various kinds? How, how does Jesus comfort you in those situations? Well, in a nutshell, Jesus gives you more of himself. When, when disappointment comes... Jesus promises to be enough for you. Jesus promises to be enough for you. When Paul had this thorn in his flesh, we're told that he prayed. He prayed even three times, asking the Lord to remove that thorn. And Jesus answered Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 by saying this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on, the latter half of verse 9 and verse 10, by saying, Therefore, 
I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes we don't know how good Jesus really is until we realize that he is all that we have. And we're okay. And we're okay. When we face disappointments, or when we walk through unimaginable sufferings, and Jesus sustains us and comforts us, we are more fully aware that He is the one that we really need. He is the one that we ultimately need. Jesus is enough for us. We, we can believe that in theory a lot of times, but it is when we walk through those hardest, darkest valleys, when we experience contentment and comfort that only Jesus can give, that we can truly declare Jesus is enough for me. In Philippians 4, Paul said that he has learned the secret to be content in any and every circumstance. And if you remember Paul's life, you know that he walked through all sorts of sufferings and trials. But Paul said this in Philippians 4, 12 and 13, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. And I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Maslow's hierarchy of needs says there are basic things that we must have in order to really live. Paul says, hogwash. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Jesus is enough to comfort us even in the face of great loss. In James chapter 4, we, we learn that we have fights and quarrels because of idols in our heart. Uh, we want that idol so much that we're willing to fight to get it. And it's something that we think we must have in order to be happy. And in response, the Holy Spirit calls us adulterous people. He, he says that because we have loved something or someone more than God himself. And he says that is spiritual adultery. And when we're guilty of spiritual adultery, God is jealous for the affections of our heart. But then in verse 6 of James chapter 4, we read this, but he gives more grace. <laughs> that is beautiful. God loves us enough that when we love an idol more than him, we will experience oftentimes fights and quarrels. We, we will have problems and disappointments, and it's those very things that God will use to reveal to our hearts that who we really need is Him. And God gives more grace to help us in those times 
of disappointment. He brings us to the place where we recognize what we really need in life is Him. And if we have Him, we will be okay. In disappointments, uh, in sickness, in sufferings of various kinds, we learn and we experience that Jesus is enough to comfort us. Secondly, um, the question is, how does Jesus comfort you when you mourn over sin and evil in the world? When, when your heart is broken over sin and evil in the world, how, how does Jesus comfort you? When you grieve and mourn because God's name is not honored as he deserves, how, how does Jesus comfort you then? Well, you are comforted when you know that God is not surprised when people dishonor and mock him. The, the crucifixion itself was a great evil done against Jesus, but it was also what God ordained to purchase our redemption. Acts 2.23 says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So God is in control. God will bring about justice. God's will will be done. N nothing man can do will thwart God's will. Psalm 2 is an excellent psalm that teaches us this. Why is it that nations rage against God? It, it will be to no avail. God has set his king in a position of authority over all. God's kingdom will prevail. Justice will be served. And then Psalm 2 ends, Psalm 2 ends by saying, verse 12, Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This, I think, is amazing. In the context of peoples, peoples and nations raging and warring against God, the Lord's response is to compassionately call people and nations to repent while they can. Turn from your sin and make God your place of refuge. Um, that was Jesus' response to Jews in Jerusalem when they rejected him. Matthew 23, 37-39, Jesus laments when he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to him, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You, you are comforted when Jesus causes you to have compassion on those who reject and even war against him. It's really quite amazing. We, we know justice will be done, but in response, people... Uh, in response to people who hate God, the, the Spirit of God produces compassion in our hearts towards them. And in compassion, we plead with them to repent and believe the gospel. Our, our hearts are not eaten up with bitterness or hate. Instead, our hearts bleed with compassion. 
trusting God to bring about justice in his time, but for now, eager to extend mercy to those who war against God, just as God extended mercy to us in our rebellion against him. So you, you are comforted. You are comforted when Jesus solidifies even more for you that walking with him is really the greatest treasure of all. As Psalm 2 ends, blessed are those who take refuge in him. The more that we see the ugliness of sin and evil in the world, the more we are thankful that God has called us and given us life in Jesus. And in this, we, we find much comfort. So God really is in control. God really has loved us in Christ. God really is good all of the time. It, it's in Him that we find comfort, even when our hearts are broken over sin and evil in the world. Next, let me ask you this. How does Jesus comfort you when you mourn over your own sin? Well, <clears throat> you are comforted when you know and believe that the penalty of sin was paid in full for you on the cross. The, the blood of Jesus washes away the guilt of your sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing can cure the guilty conscience but the blood of Jesus. So what do you do when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin? Um, you don't just try harder to clean up your life. You repent and you believe the promise of the gospel and you find comfort in that. 2 Corinthians 7 10 says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Also, you are comforted when you know and believe that the power of sin has been broken. In his death, in his resurrection, Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. Jesus triumphed over the power of evil. Christians are no longer in bondage to sin. If you are in Christ, you don't have to sin. So what do you do when you're tempted to sin? You run to Jesus and with confidence that he alone can help. You ask him to help, to teach you, to give you strength. To, you trust him, to obey him. You rely upon the spirit that he's given and you put to death the sinful deeds of your flesh. You, you don't face sin and death on your own. You have all of Jesus to help. In all of this, you are comforted. Uh, Jesus has also made a bold promise that he will present you blameless before God on the day of judgment. And, and then you will be comforted by being delivered from sin's presence not, not only is the penalty of sin paid in full and the, the power of sin is broken, God has promised that a day is coming when the presence of sin will be removed from you. And because of all that God has given you in Jesus by the Spirit, you have a confident and sure promise that, that you will be with God forever in eternity, unhindered by sin. So today, we 
may mourn, but we don't mourn without hope because we know that in glory, there, there will be no more tears. In glory, there will be no more tears. One, one final question. How does Jesus comfort you when you mourn the death of a loved one? And I, I asked this question, but I think we really have already answered it. Uh, the gospel message brings us great comfort. Uh, sin and death have been defeated. Uh, through the gospel, God promises eternal life. As Paul said in Philippians 1, believers have the hope of the promise that we're absent from the body and present with the Lord when we die. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul teaches us that we grieve the death of a loved one. There's pain involved, but we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Why? Because Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. When my mother died in 1996, um, I had an opportunity to speak a little bit at the funeral, and I really didn't have much to say, but the one thing that I know that was on the center of my mind was this, that I am so thankful for the hope of the gospel. That provided a source of great comfort to me. When my mom died in 96, and certainly when my dad just recently died, as well. Um, Saturday's memorial service for my dad will be a celebration of the, the hope of eternal life that uh, we have because of what Jesus did for him. Um, the, the, I guess the one final question, um, how does Jesus comfort you when you mourn for a loved one that wasn't a follower of Jesus? When, when an unbeliever dies, it, it brings great sorrow. You mourn. Um, the pain is deep. We, we experienced that with Shelley's dad when, when he died. And, and yet Jesus promises comfort even for this mourner. Uh, but how? Well, again, I think we've already spoken of truths today that answer that question. We... We can be honest with the sorrow that we experience. We cry out to God for help, and God promises to be enough for us in that pain that we experience. As Jesus told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So in our weakest moment, we are in a position to experience more of Christ. Uh, he is in control. He loves us. He is good. We can trust him all of the time. Um, si simply put, you will be comforted by God. That's the promise that he gives. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I think when we're comforted by God, we're okay. We're, we're honest about the pain, and it doesn't mean that the pain has gone away necessarily. 
But when we're comforted by God, we're not, we don't end up in despair. We're okay. <laughs> Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. May you, may you be comforted by God today. Let's pray together. Father, we know that death is an enemy. And there are tears and there are, there's much pain that's associated with death. But today we also confess and we believe that you understand when we mourn and when we grieve and when we have sorrow in our heart. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done in sending Jesus to be the sympathetic high priest who understands. Thank you for your spirit that dwells with us. Thank you for the, the promise that you give to be enough for us, to be sufficient, to give grace, abundant grace, sufficient grace. Thank you for your promise to comfort us. For Father, we know that because of your presence and your ministry, we will not be undone. We will be okay. And we'll be okay because of you. And so, Father, help all of us to find comfort in you today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with us.